Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to the Neil Before Pod interview segment. I'm your host, Craig, and recently I had the chance to chat to actor Julie Dre, who appears in the upcoming Steam interactive adventure Nightbook. We talk about knowing different languages opening doors, productions of different countries working differently, and getting used to remote filming. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. I'm delighted to be joined on Neil Before Pod with Julie Dre. How are you doing? I'm very well, merci. Good, good to hear it. So where is it you are right now? I am in Paris. Nice. Calling from Paris, France. Went back to Paris when the lockdown, the first lockdown started uh, nearly a year and a half ago. <laughs> it's been a long time. And how are things over in France with this whole situation? Well, it's good at the moment. Everything is open, no more masks. Half of the population has been vaccinated. Clubs are open, restaurants, movies. It's amazing. I'm not sure how long it's going to last, but so far we're all enjoying it. A little bit behind us then. I'm in Scotland and we're on the cusp of maybe opening up, but cases are gone up, so who knows what's going to happen. It's depressing. <laughs> let's probably not talk about it. <laughs> so let's just go right back to the beginning for you then. How did you get your start in acting? What made you get into that field and how did you get there? Well, strange enough, I was always aware, I always had this desire. I was telling everybody when I was very little, like five or six, that I was an actress and I was asking my mom about auditions and stuff. So when no one in my family was in this industry or anything, then when I was 13, I managed to get a side job in Teenager Magazine and with the money I had enough to cover an acting class. So I started acting classes when I was 13. And then a couple of years later, I started to do my first jobs in the industry and then I never stopped. (laughs) I couldn't. (laughs) You just got the bug and then couldn't stop. Yeah. yeah, you know, and once you taste what it is to be on set and have a crew, you know, it's the best life ever. It's tough, but it's an amazing life. So, of course, there's no way I could go back to a normal life or job after that. No, for sure. I can completely understand that. And being trilingual, as it says on your IMDb page, that must get you some really interesting opportunities. It must open a lot of doors. Yeah, yeah, actually. So I speak French, English, Spanish. I do speak a bit of Hebrew and Norwegian as well. I do have to say that now, more than ever, there's a lot of co-productions and stuff happening with the platforms. So it's really amazing because I get to work in lots of different countries. I went to Morocco, Norway, Brazil, US. It's phenomenal because you get to see the world, meet different type of people and see so many different things. So it's, it's a real privilege. I can't recommend it enough for actors. I even shot a movie in Chile, which was incredible. And did you learn bits and pieces of languages and become fluent in languages for the actual work or was it just something you were doing? Obviously you would have learned English anyway. English and Spanish are part of the process here at school back in France. Even though when I was young, I couldn't really see the point. Eventually down the line, I realized I could actually go to different markets and access amazing portfolios of directors and movies. So I realized that probably 10 years ago, I had a short film that had a huge success internationally. And I was like, oh my God, actually, I could take the train, go to London and be in all these amazing movies and work with phenomenal directors. And I didn't have access to that back in France. Even though I started very young, I was really into TVs and it was really hard for me to get into movies. And somehow I had this opportunity in London with a short film 
got an agent and right after I got a lead in a feature film and my life changed. The movie went to the US, I got my visa and then the languages were like, oh wow, that really opened doors for me. So I really recommend young actors to work in their languages and even now I started to learn Hebrew because I really love the Israeli TV shows. I'm like, just going to learn Hebrew, you know, it's going to be useful somewhere, sometimes at some point. And same with Norwegian. That was more on set because I did a movie a couple of years ago about base jump and some of the best base jumpers are Norwegian. So I spent a lot of time with them and it stayed with me. I really worked on the language. I was like, one day it could really be useful for something. They always say once you learn more than one language, other ones come easy to you because it is just you notice patterns and things. I mean, I don't know. I only speak English and a little bit of German from school, but nothing else. Yeah, definitely. I think here in France, we don't have any choice. If you want to travel or anything, you need to learn other languages and eventually it helps. And do you find when you're doing productions that are, say, French-led or Norwegian-led or American-led, do you find there's significant differences in how they do things or is it all very similar? No, very different. The mentality, attitude. I mean, I think there's a reason why for me things really worked really well in the UK. And I think how people work in the UK, I really appreciate the industry over there. The respect for work, the ethic as well for actors, you know, they're hard workers. They're really serious about it. It's very different in France. It's a different mentality and it works for certain people. I just feel that with my energy and stuff, it wasn't as natural for me. I would say the industry in France, it's a lot as well about your friends, who you know, the connection you have with your agent, the connection your agent has. You have to go a lot to the events and stuff. There's a lot as well about outside of set, where in the UK, I do feel the content is really brave. Even though I had an accent, I have a heavy accent, I got opportunities to work in the UK. They were open to meet with me. I think the content is very, very brave on TV and platforms in the UK. And then they're looking for the right person. You have this thing called Spotlight. They put the brief of the character. And if you're right, even though they don't know you, they will meet with you because you're right for it. It could be a match. You don't have to be friend or whatever. They want to find the right person for the job. So I really like that. I think that's something really about giving chances to people. And it's really based on work. And in the US, I think it's completely like the UK with the kind of magic touch as well you know it's like you go to LA do a movie out of the blue they love your movie it's like wow everybody wants to meet you you go to all the big studios it's a bit like oh my god my life's gonna change I was like oh no actually it's not gonna change <laughs> but it's amazing I did have opportunities back in the US where I went for a huge stuff Kingsman Fast and Furious it's phenomenal for a young actor to be able to have a shot at it I love foreign markets for me it works really well yeah, and it's interesting to hear that there's so many differences so you almost have to adjust yourself depending on where you're trying to get into at that point so it's different everywhere cool thing here and you have done a lot of things over your career i was looking through your imdb page and there's just a long list of things it's really great what are your favorite genres to act in do you have one or is it just you're happy to just move around and do different things well definitely i'm a firm believer that a part always comes for a reason. Maybe you snatch a part now you wouldn't snatch in two years or before you couldn't have played it. I believe, you know, things align and you're capable of playing certain things at certain points. I think it goes a lot with how you grow as a human being yourself. I grew on set as well. So really I discovered myself growing up, being on set, 
You see how people behave. You play so many different characters. You see so many options in life of who you want to be. And you realize as well, I think it brings you a lot of humility to see that actually the difference between you and this person, it's a few little things that could make you become someone like that or someone like that. What you're facing, the difficulties you have in life and stuff. I'm in love with life. I'm in love with playing people. I love to dive into a life and just dedicate myself to someone's story for a little while. So I love to explore and I love to go in very different genres. Then it's true in the UK. I did a lot of comedy. I'm not sure why. I never did comedies back in France. You know, sometimes I do the audition, I got the job. I'm actually, I don't know why people are laughing. I, I, I don't even know. I'm not sure even I understand the joke. You know, why is it funny? You know, somehow in the UK, I think it was a good match with my personality to explore comedy. But I don't really feel that confident in comedy. I kind of like drama because for me, it's just about the honesty and being truth and believing what's going on in the room. And, and I love to connect with that feeling to feel you're serving a story and you did justice to a character or to a situation. That is really something I'm driven by. So yes, I think when I'm selfish for my pleasure, I love to do the drama. I feel it. I feel the emotion. It's amazing. It's wow. You know, it's overwhelming. You forget yourself. It's amazing. Those moments where you just in the moment, nothing else exists. You're just this character going through that emotion. That's my favorite. Now I think my best memories are on comedies because I got to work with talented people and it was just overwhelming and beautiful. And I felt extremely privileged to be working with them. I started when I was 13, I'm 40 years old now, you know, so it's been like, Nearly 30 years of exploring and growing up and discovering stuff. So it's been fun. Other actors I've spoken to have said about the comedy thing, that comedy can be that bit harder because it's harder to be consciously funny where you might be more connected to a dramatic situation that if you've experienced it sort of directly or indirectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. I think as well, comedy is a lot to do. It's rhythm as well. It's like music. It's like dance. I don't have such a music here, I think. So I just want to be honest all the time. And if it's funny, good. But basically, I'm not going to try to be funny. You know that if you try anyway, it's going to be a total disaster. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and you've done a bit of voice acting as well. I noticed uh, you were the French lead in Cyberpunk, which yeah. you know, a huge game and you get to be the lead French dub. That must have been amazing. That was amazing. Actually, I was doing a play at the Young Vic just before the lockdown. So last February, I can't remember which year now. I, can't, I lost track of the time with this COVID. But just before the first lockdown, I was in London doing this play at the Young Vic called Fairview. And just before, I was recording V, the French V for Cyberpunk. And I had to do a couple of sessions back while I was doing the play. So it was completely crazy. This character has been amazing for me. I mean, it was a true gift. It was only my second game. I did another game before called Anthem, and I was playing the lead as well in France. I was playing North. But Cyberpunk offers, I mean, the character, is, the journey she has is phenomenal. It was heartbreaking. It was tough. It was sexual. It was hard. That was an amazing experience for me as an actor. And the script is fantastic. I never felt, oh, maybe it's just a voice acting job. It was full on. It takes all your energy. I was exhausted. And there was a lot of quests in the game. We recorded for so long. It took nearly a year of recording. It was insane. I spent hours and hours, sometimes six, seven, eight hours on studio, screaming, dying, killing, loving, dating, everything, male, female, anything, you know? It was just like killing everything that walks and breathes. It was 
fantastic. Scripts for video games, they're thousands of pages long sometimes, aren't they? Especially for something like that, where there is many different choices that you can make. I'm telling you, I remember, I took, so I finished the play, then I came back to Paris one week and they were like, oh my God, there's so many scripts coming up. You have to, and I was flying to New York right after because I was working on Avenue 5 and I had to do some voiceover over there. I was like, okay, well, we can work all week. I worked all week. I worked till the moment I had to take the taxi to go to the airport. Till the last minute, we were just recording. I was like, how many lines? And it was just like, bam, bam, bam. But the game looks phenomenal. And I was really into the character. I was really admiring my character. I wanted to be this badass. Did you get advanced sight of some of the concept art and things like that for the game before you were recording the character? Yeah, of course, because you need to see the world she lives in, how she behaves, as she moves, the interaction with other characters and stuff. So I saw a lot of things, motion capture stuff, just to have a sense. And they created a fantastic world. And it was really exciting. And obviously she can look different depending on how the player does it. But there'll be that consistency with how you play her I guess no doubt she's a cool girl you know like, like that when I grow up please I've spoken to other voice actors and they talk about how difficult it can be to give me 10 deaths or give me 10 grunts when you get shot or whatever so crazy so now you're being electrified now you're electrified and you're drowning now you're freezing and you know it's like oh my god you know and different levels but my voice is naturally broken. That's good, at least. It's not like it's going to break and then I can't record anymore. It's always broken. So it pushed me several times to my limit. I was like, oh man, I'm dead. I have nothing left in my body. You know, I'm exhausted from this character. The emotional scenes were very well written. And there was a lot of freedom. Of course, I was working with the English voice. But basically... I had this time to say the line and I could really own it. I could really make my version. Seriously, it's one of the best experiences I had these past years. So it wasn't just copying the English version of the voice, it was your own? No, no. We had a DA, we had a director, and we were exchanging with the people creating the game and stuff. With CD Project, we were exchanging with them all the time. And it was really recreated a real French version. Cool. And you mentioned Avenue 5. I've seen some of that show. It's quite out there a little bit. So what was it like working with someone like Hugh Laurie, you know, a real heavyweight in Josh Gad as well? They're quite big. What am I doing here? I'm going to die episode one. I'm not supposed to be here. I honestly didn't know what happened to me. I remember coming back from Peru and the first audition I had, I see like Armando Yanucci. I'm like, what? So I sent a self-tape. I couldn't understand what it was about. It was this weird scene. I sent that thing. Never heard from them for three months and a half. And then out of the blue, they call me and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, you know the audition you did three months and a half ago? Yeah, so it's working. You're going to London next week. I'm like, what? So yeah, I have to do the costume and stuff. And then you have to be always available. So basically I would be in Paris. My phone would ring and say, okay, so we need you in two hours on set. What? But yeah, a train is waiting for you. Huh? Okay, I'm just going to abandon the dog and, and run to the train. I, I arrive. <laughs> it's okay, survive. It was mental. It was amazing because the writers are some of the best writers in, in the world and I actually worked with Simon Blackwell on back who was as well one of the script writers on Avenue 5 and he works a lot with Armando Yanucci. I remember the first day I arrived I didn't know anything about the project I haven't read anything so I sat down and then I saw all the actors coming up I'm like oh my god this is a joke like <laughs> I don't know where to sit I'm going to sit next to the coffee machine by the writers because I'm really self-conscious and everybody was so kind. We had so much fun because the show was crazy. And they were writing as we were filming all the time, trying stuff. We had like one week rehearsals where they would try stuff and then we would film. Till on set, they would give you new lines to try stuff. 
So that was really terrifying because it was full comedy. And I was with people who are genius at it, really, really funny all the time. And they improvise. <laughs> it's not even my language. Now I have to improvise and be funny. Honestly, it was, wow. And the set, to be on spaceship, it was fun time. Yeah, it must have been really great looking around at all the little details that they built into the set just to make it look authentic. Well, you know the set to burn down. Oh, you don't know that. No, I don't. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> so it was amazing. So it was looking beautiful. It's fantastic to be there every day. And then one day I'm in the train on the way to set in the Eurostar. And then they called me and said, oh, actually, you're not going to set. You're going straight to the hotel. I'm like, oh, really? There's a change of schedule. Say, but there's no more set. The whole set burned down, episode seven. Part of the reason why there was only nine episodes and not ten. So we had to improvise location for the rest of the episodes. Episode eight and nine, there's no set. How do you make the story work? I mean, it was just insanity. Like the show is insane, you know, with everything happening and became our reality quite fast. So yes, it was quite crazy. So how did it happen? Was it just an accident? Just something caught fire? Yeah. We were filming in Lisbon. I think there was like electrical, whatever, you know, there was a problem and everything burned down. Oh God. <laughs> You hear about production problems, but it's not usually you lost your entire set. It's like, what? What is that? Actually, like, there was two sets. So there, you had the main set, massive set, beautiful, gorgeous, like 99% of the show. And then you had the set where I was mostly active, which was the control, you know, like the machine control thing. The only set that survived was my set. So I was like, it's okay. I will finish the season at least. <laughs> They're obliged to keep me now. This is the only set left. <laughs> The producers are amazing on that show. And the writers are among the best in the world. So they just rewrote everything. That was the only people who can create the end of the show with not having a set because this is what they do all day long. It's like, okay, let's find a solution. Let's write something. So they wrote the whole ending and it was phenomenal. But yeah, it was incredible for me to work, to be on HBO. Some of my family is in the US and I was going to New York afterwards and everywhere you had the posters. It was like, wow, that's a nice moment in your life. You get to be in the US on a big show. Yeah, I'm a part of that. It's on a billboard. It's all good. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. <laughs> and it's good that they met a challenge of not having a set anymore. That's really impressive. Crazy. So your latest project, Nightbook, I got a preview code and I've played through it once and I got one of the bad endings. <laughs> There's many of them, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll play through it more times and see what else I can do with different choices and stuff. I had a lot of fun with it. I really enjoyed it. I do enjoy a good choose-your-own-adventure. Okay, well, so you're in advance because me, I haven't had the chance yet to play the movie. So I'm very happy to hear you enjoyed it. So it must have been a bit like video game recording but except you're doing it live action as in you have to do, okay, here's a response to this choice and here's a response to that choice. And I have to say Mentally, thank God, the director, Alex, was really on top of it. It was amazing. But we were filming like sometimes 10 sequences in a row, which is our whole direction. Okay, so 11A, 12B, 13C, and you had to do all in one shot. And then we go back to the beginning of the intersection. And now we're doing the alternative choices. And sometimes I'm like, what happened just before? <laughs> well, in this version, what happened to me? <laughs> what, what, <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything, but basically sometimes she she had to experience very difficult things. And so I was like, am I dying now? Which pain am I going to to endure? I wouldn't say what ending I got for listeners that haven't played it yet, but, you know, I can tell you when we're done. Yeah, when we're off. I can can tell you what ending I got, but it was good fun. There are some good endings as well, just so you know. I imagine. So I just 
didn't choose properly. <laughs> that was my problem. So you just wanted me to die, maybe, but... <laughs> no, no, it was just, I think I should do this now. And I guess it was the wrong choice for some reason. But that's the beauty of it, is just exploring what the different things are and how it gets to that different point. But as an actor, do you ever feel like you're filming things that you maybe feel like the character you're playing wouldn't choose? I usually fight. I have a strong ownership of my characters. Wants to give it to me. I'm like, this is mine. I know how she is. I know what she likes. I know what she eats. She wouldn't speak like that. I have this big heart to defend them. And I think I've been pretty lucky most of the times. Either I met directors that were completely open or maybe they saw my passion going in one direction and so they would follow me. Obviously, on this adventure, it was already so complicated the storylines were so complicated too because everything was depending on every bit. Obviously, there's no way I would have changed anything in the stories, but I think it's just making peace with the choice and see if you don't believe in it, which would be the worst situation. I don't believe she would do that. I don't believe she would say that. There's no way. So usually you stop because it's really important. You have to be on board. You have to believe it. And you have to find a way or a situation in your head or some history or something that makes you believe it. And once you believe it, green light, you can go for it and give it your all. But I think most of my characters and stuff, it was always very natural that if I don't believe in something, I would explain myself and people would see my point of view. They come usually with me on my choices. I've been lucky like that. Maybe I'm good at convincing you now. <laughs> Just really threatening actor. I don't know. In this case, some of the things are just happening to her and she's reacting as well. So it's not all just those choices. It's reacting. Yeah, I think anyway, you know the heart of the character. She's pregnant. She has this relationship. She's dealing with her dad and the suffering of her dad and things like that. So as long as your heart is in a good place, all the choices come quite naturally. Then the other things that impact her, as you say, she has no choice and it's just dealing with it keeping your heart in the good place, our values and what she believes in, what she tries to defend or protect. And is your affinity with languages one of the big reasons that you ended up getting the role? Because obviously you speak many languages in that film or the game or whatever it is. We never heard of. <laughs> that was stuff, you know, there was a whole alphabet and stuff. We really worked on those new language lines and everything. It was amazing. The writer created some conjugaison. I'm not sure how you say that. Different time, you know, the past, the future, who's speaking, plurals. They created a whole language. And we could really almost improvise in the language. We understand, okay, if it's female, if it's male, if it's plural, this is how the words would end and stuff. The writer was really amazing. Was it all filmed remotely? Or was there any of it that was filmed with other people nearby? No, no, no. It was me, myself and I, <laughs> alone <laughs> in my house. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, yeah, we filmed everything for my character. Everything was filmed in my own house back in Paris. They sent the set, they sent the cameras, they sent the crazy computers, the lights, and basically I was doing everything as dying, as playing, as putting the sound, putting the light, continuity, makeup. I was like, oh my God, I love this job. Obviously, for me, it's above a passion. Being an actor, meeting some characters, it's what I love most in this world. It's even difficult for me to explain how much I like it. It's like falling in love each time you read a good script and you meet a character. But as well, the big part that makes you love this work is the team. You're together, you're creating something, you're sharing moments. It was amazing because I was filming during lockdown, which I felt so privileged because for an actor, it was really hard for us at that time with no theater, nothing in the industry, everything was dead. 
So you get a lead in a movie, it's amazing. But to be alone all the time, it was a thriller, horror thriller. So it's quite dramatic. And even though everybody was so supportive, the DP was amazing. Alex was fantastic. We'd speak in the morning, rehearse, work, more rehearsals. They were really taking care of me. But it's true, I felt a bit lonely as well at the same time. I really miss having my team and laughing and the support you can have looking at the gaffer or the guy who's working on the light. Just before going on the scene, you look at them. Sometimes you, you feel a bit afraid or stressed. You know, you look at them and they give you so much love. They give you the kick you need to perform. Uh, Julie, sorry, can you go behind the camera and press the button? <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. I'm just going to press the button now. Okay, go back in the movie now. Especially because the script is so wide the range of emotion, it's so close to real life. Because in real life, everything is possible. You can make the wrong decision. And even though you're a good person, you kept making the wrong choices and get involved in the wrong places with the wrong people. And it doesn't define you as a wrong person. It's just at some point you are fragile and you make wrong decision. So I think this script is really organic because I could explore every side of Laureline, which was phenomenal. So that was really good. But sometimes as well, it was a bit mental because it's really dark story. So to be alone, losing your mind, she's losing her sanity. She's really terrified. <laughs> Not having your crew with you. Talking to your dad through a door when he's nowhere near you, that kind of thing. <laughs> no, yeah. no, and as well, I spent my days screaming in my building. Ah! I was like, no, he's coming. I'm worried. You know, no one would call the cops. I don't understand. It's not like I put the papers. Sometimes you're doing a movie and put the papers saying, look, you know, we're filming a movie. Sorry if we disturb you for this. Me, I was screaming all day long, dying in multiple ways. No one came to save me. It's a terrible neighborhood. No one comes to check on you. Even though I'm screaming all day. It's just that, well, it's not happening in here. I'm not going to pay attention to that. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, it's not down. They were afraid, maybe. We don't know, COVID and stuff. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> in terms of your castmates, I'm guessing there was a lot of Zoom calls like this where you would sit and chat and at least meet them in that way so that you had an idea of what you were reacting to. Yeah, it was amazing. Actually, we'd have some rehearsal days, which was nice. We had like rehearsal with Alex, several days with each actor. So we were filming, we were team by two each time. And it was how we were filming the movie as well. I would do all my scenes with Colin. I would do all my scenes with Aki, doing all the scenes with these two people. So I was the only one who was there every day on set, the virtual set. And then actors would spend two, three days with me and then they would go. And we would have two, three days rehearsals. So it was really nice because you really get to speak with them, discuss the character. Then we rehearse all the scenes so I could see where they're going, where they're going to go and stuff like that. And then we would film. And it was really intense. And we really felt the connections between us. Of course, it was sad we couldn't go for a drink afterwards. <laughs> Hopefully you'll get to actually sit in the same room with them at some point. And, at some point, who knows? Yeah, and get that experience. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Colin Salmon and all the stuff I've seen him in. So I can imagine he must have been great to, well, not directly work with, but sort of indirectly yeah, work with. He was an amazing man. He was filming at his place as well. It was long days sometimes there too organize all the technical stuff so we got to speak so much and we had people in common we worked with in the past so it was a privilege i was so happy to work with it cool it's a great thing and i think it's a new skill that actors now have in a lot of ways is this remote filming thing and i don't think it's a genre that's going to go away because you can just put it together phenomenal on the cheap well not on the cheap but quickly and differently and yeah, yeah, yeah to be really creative i think it's true with the lockdowns and stuff we had as well to do a lot of self-tapes all the time which is like you have to film yourself you have to before like two years ago you would have tell me okay you're gonna 
do the last callbacks on this big job and you have to do like, I said, what, on Zoom? Now it's like, okay, I've got the lights, I've got the background, I've got my computer, I know how to edit the stuff, no worries. You know, it's true, it, it made us really skilled in that way. And I've seen a few interesting examples of it. The Nightbook being the sort of video game thing. Again, choose your own adventure, I love it. I've seen, it's called Untitled Horror Movie. It's Catherine wow. McNamara in it. It's basically a bunch of out-of-work actors making a horror movie or planning to make a horror movie. And sort of similar to Nightbook, they end up summoning a demon or something like that and oh, really? terrorises them. Yeah, I'd recommend checking it out. It's good fun. Is it on Steam as well? Or? No, it's it's actually a film. I think you can sort of buy it from the website. It's called Untitled Horror Movie. Okay, very nice. Pretty good. Pretty good fun. And there's a few other examples, most of which I haven't seen, but... Yeah, okay. um, there's a lot of them cropping up and I think it's a good thing. I think it's good to just play around with different things. And I think it's yeah. really nice. I mean, for the actors, definitely. It's so interesting. It's very rich and you explore so much. For us, it's fantastic. I think it's more complicated for the editor, obviously, but for the actors. Sure. <laughs> yeah, because they have to put your video in amongst all these graphics of texts and whatever getting answered all that stuff yeah now making sure the continuity is in the big thing is the continuity between the different choices the continuity has to survive that's the hard part but no that's not my job so that's good (laughs) (laughs) and you have to do a lot of reacting to text messages and frantically typing responses to text messages (laughs) okay so now you're looking at this and now you're reading this message and i'm like okay okay good exactly lots of that yeah lots of strings to add to your bow plenty to put on the cv exactly so what's next for you project wise what are you looking forward to doing what can you talk about in terms of what's coming up for you in the new future i can't speak of anything now i mean it's amazing because all the auditions are back it's really really nice a lot of auditions actually happen as well on zoom and self-tapes and stuff like that most of the casting directors on big project are still operating long distance but everything is picking up everything is back so it feels amazing for us as actors i was already really grateful i got to shot two movies during uh, the lockdown so I did a movie in London when there was no travel ban during the summer. And then I did the, the night book. Again, I was extremely grateful for it. But it's nice now that all the big shows are picking up. So there's lots of additions happening at the moment. Not sure what's going to be a final yes. But good stuff. Really good stuff. So hopefully I could update you very soon. Plenty of opportunities. That's good to hear. Yes. So final question. Ended a bit of a lighthearted note. The podcast is very nerdy. So I always ask people, what superpower would you have if you could and why? I totally fly. That's definitely the one I would love. Yeah, I would love to fly. You know, I spend my life flying airplanes. I'd just be happy if I could fly myself. <laughs> and I used to be a skydiver. So I have this relationship to the sky and stuff. And I'm a citizen of the world. So I'd love to be able to fly and just to go visit the world every single day more markets to discover more (laughs) creative people all of that yeah you need a warm coat if you were flying high enough it's pretty (laughs) cold up there but yeah flying's a good one it's a popular one yeah i often get that one yeah i'm sure not so original but sometimes you don't need to be original it just has to feel good no no it's what you want so perfectly valid everybody has their own dream of what power they'd like to have so it's good to get an insight into people by getting the answer to that question so thank you very much for your time it's been great talking to you about various things it's been really interesting hearing your take on your career and working on different things and i really hope nightbook does really well when it comes out thank you so much and everything else you do i hope that you're um, very successful in what you put yourself forward for merci thank you thank you so much bye that was my chat with julie dre i wish her all the best with her future projects 
If you like what you heard here, then please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any major podcasting app. Apple users, please leave us a star rating and a comment. If you want to discuss this interview or anything else, then you can get us on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave us a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, I hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod.